CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Options Action is brought to you by TD Ameritrade, where you gain access to research tools to help you sharpen your trading strategies. Happy Friday, Options Actions fan. I'm Brian Sullivan in for Melissa Lee. And as always, we've got a big show for you on deck. Here is what's ahead. Location, location, location. That's what they say about real estate. But Carter Worth says it's more about knowing where you are on the charts. He'll explain. Then, perhaps you're checking out some local real estate while you're walking your new dog. The pandemic pets business has exploded, and Tony Zhang has a tree for you to bark up. And finally, we're not just shopping for options here in the U.S. Professor Mike Coe believes now is the time to look overseas and pick up a little baba. It's time to risk less and make more. Options action starts right now. All right, welcome everybody and happy Friday. Hope you're having a good Friday, maybe an end of your week, wherever you may be. Thanks for joining us. All right, as the world attempts to emerge from lockdowns, real estate, whether it's offices or warehouses, is maybe the single biggest industry trying to figure out what the heck a new normal for work and other things may look like. But from a stock perspective, Carter Ward thinks that most of the major uncertainty is behind it. And he has got, as always, some charts to prove it, which is why we call him the chart master. Carter, take it away. Hey, Brian, thanks. And before we get to the charts, just what you said, I mean, REITs represent such a broad swath of the economy, apartment REITs, healthcare REITs, shopping center, industrial, warehouse. It's endless. And what we know is actually REITs, a very good week this week, best performing sector. And the best part is year to date, having underperformed for so long, four of the past five years, REITs have underperformed utilities. But year to date, REITs are up more than 8%, utilities up only one, REITs even beating the S&P. Let's look at some charts. Four. The first is a two panel. It's the ETF for all REITs, IYR, on the top. And the bottom panel is relative performance to utilities, the XLU. And what we can see is that it bottomed in March, but then had a double dip. And that uh, double bottom formation on the relative chart to XLU is very important. Take a look at the second chart, also a two-panel relative chart. Again, IYR on top, and here, again, on the bottom, relative performance to utilities as measured by XLU. We've broken above that downtrend line. So you have a, a double bottom formation on the relative. You have a break above a downtrend line. Very important action. Third chart, it's just the IYR itself. And what we know, of course, is it plunged, as all assets did during the pandemic, but it has not made it back to its pre-pandemic high. Final chart, fourth chart. I've annotated that high. You can see a circle and the line drawn across. I think basically REITs are headed back to uh, their pre-pandemic level. And that would be about an 8% move from here. And we like them long by virtue of what a broad uh, representation they are. Carter, thank you very much. All right, there's the charts. Mike Coe, what's the trade? 
Yeah, so, you know, we were talking about IYR here. This is the real estate REIT uh, uh, ETF. And I think an important point, and you were touching on this, Carter, too, is that this is really quite a diverse uh, base of real estate companies that we're dealing with. We're dealing with everything from Warehouser, which is a, a timber REIT. We've got American Tower in there, which is the largest REIT that deals with wireless towers. We've got data centers in here. We've got logistics, basically the warehouses that serve companies like Home Depot and FedEx and Amazon. And oftentimes, I think people have been looking at the real estate business, and they're thinking mostly about one of the other big constituents, Simon Property. They're thinking about things like retail. But actually, if you take a look at the top 50% of the representation of IYH, retail is actually a relatively small percentage of it. Most of the businesses we're talking about are pretty stable. Now, the principal reason that people would typically buy something like IYH is for dividend yield, although if you're looking at it recently, you've probably noticed that it's only yielding about 2%. And that has an important implication for us when we're taking a look at how to trade this with options. Because, of course, if you buy a stock or if you buy an ETF, you're entitled to collect the dividends. But if you trade the options, you're not necessarily. But when the dividend yield drops, and you might instead be taking a look at the potential for capital appreciation instead of the dividend yield, using something like call options becomes more attractive. Now, another important characteristic about IYH is that it is relatively low volatility. So IYH has volatility commensurate sort of with uh, the S&P or maybe even slightly less, so considerably less than a lot of other sector-based ETFs. So I think what we want to do here is keep the trade relatively simple. When I was looking at this earlier today, I was looking at the June 91 calls. Now, IYH at the time was trading around 91.40. So these were about 40 cents in the money at that time. I could pay $3.10 to buy those calls. The important thing to think about is the extrinsic premium that I'm spending. That's really the decay that that option is going to incur over time, which is about $2.70 or about 3% of the strike or the underlying value of IYH shares. And I think this is a way that you can risk relatively small amount to bet that this rally that we've been seeing in IYH, particularly relative to some of the other yield ETFs, could continue. All right, Mike and Carter, thank you very much for that. All right, from real estate to retail, Tony is here, and he has got a trade that could capture the upside in the pandemic pet boom. All right. Tony, it sounds like you're barking up the right tree, so I'm just going to leave you and take it away. Yeah, thank you, Brian. So the stock that I want to take a look at here is Petco because we've seen a significant sell-off here this previous month with the other retailers, but they recently just reported a fairly strong earnings here last week, and the stock's down about 10%. Yet I think this is the opportunity for investors to step in because this, this category is likely going to continue to see some pretty strong spending even after the reopening. So when we look at the chart itself, the IPO was just in mid-January, so we don't have a lot of history, and the stock has been fairly volatile. But I do seem to find a little bit of support here around the $20 level. But the primary interesting thing that I want to point investors to that are looking in this particular space, uh, Petco is actually outperforming its faster-growing digital rival, Chewy, here over the past three months or so. So it's interesting to see this um, retailing, retail store beat out the e-commerce side right now from a performance perspective. And when we look at the business itself, it looks fairly compelling. 
16% year-over-year quarterly growth, gross margins over 40%, which is either on par or better than most of the retailers within this particular space. Yet, it trades at a fairly substantial discount at only one and a half times enterprise value to sales to not only other retailers, but also to the pet care uh, companies here. So the valuations here look fairly compelling, and the chart, I think, is potentially a a good uh, potential opportunity to look for a long position. So the trade structure that I'm using here reflects the relatively elevated implied volatility for this stock in the 60% implied volatility here. And I'm going out to June. I'm buying the 20-25 call spread here, paying about $3 for the June $20 call option, uh, collecting about $1.40 for the June $25 call option. Net-net here, I'm only paying $1.60 on this $21 stock, which is risking about 7% of the underlying stock price. But the key here is that I'm using an option that's already in the money. So the break-even price is only about 3% higher. So I have about three months of time where the stock only has to rally about 3%. And that includes the next earnings release uh, in order for this strategy to be profitable. All right, Tony, thank you, Carter. All right, he laid out the trade. You look at the charts, look at the technicals. What do you see on Petco? Right, and Tony talked about the chart. I mean, one thing we know is obviously it's struggled since uh, coming out of the gate. In January 14th, the stock sort of first prints at 30 and has been as low as 18. It's worked itself back to 2021 where it is now. Um, so uh, recent outperformance to Chewy, but I mean, the Chewy stock is something that's been up fivefold, a great winner that is pulled back. Um, I think this is a case where you have to do it through options because the stock is sort of range bound stuck, if you will. All right, Carter looking there. Chewy, look at that chart on Chewy. It's been hot until lately. It's still up to 257%. Mike Co. Petco, Chewy, what do you think of Tony's trade? Yeah, so a really important element of what Tony's doing here, if you're thinking about why you would use a call spread rather than going out and, say, using a simpler trade like the one that I was doing in IYR. I misspoke earlier. I was saying IYH. But the critical thing here is that the implied volatility in this stock is very, very high. Take a look at the June 22 and a half calls as an example. Those things are about two bucks, very nearly 10 percent of the current stock price. By using an in-the-money call spread, that's the trade that Tony outlined, you're reducing the decay and you're reducing the upside break even considerably and actually putting out less premium than you would by buying that call. So the trade that he's chosen, if you have a bullish thesis, is a far better one, I think, probably than buying the stock, which has its own risks, of course, but actually much better than the alternative of doing a simple options trade of going out and buying that June 22 and a half call, which would cost you more money, have a much higher break even much higher decay. So really, it's important to keep an eye on your trade structures when you're trading options. And the one that Tony chose here, I think, is the right one. Okay, there you go, guys. Good. Maybe a couple of ways to make money on Petco. Well, for everything, Options Action, of course, you know by now. Check out the website, optionsaction.cnbc.com. And if you haven't already in the last 10 years or whatever, sign up for the newsletter. Of course, we're not done yet tonight. Here's what's coming up. Professor Coe is opening up to an Alibaba play. He'll tell you the secret reason why next. Plus, calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when options action returns. 
CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Options Action, everybody. Well, Alibaba shares getting a boost today. Still, Down about 5% this week. It's been hit along with nearly all the broader China tech trade. Bapazani told you that at the top of Fast Money. Mike says, don't sweat the week. There could still be a Baba boost ahead. He is breaking it down in his call to action. Mike. Yeah, so I'm taking a look at Baba, and, you know, there are some interesting parallels here when I think about Alibaba relative to another big technology company, Amazon. Now, when you take a look at the company, there's a few things that I find kind of interesting. First is monetization, which you might look at and say, well, it's rather weak. Their monetization, which is essentially their commissions on the gross market value of sales that take place across their platform, that's about 3.7%. I look at that as a potential positive because, of course, this company has been growing rapidly and they have an opportunity to expand that monetization. So that could obviously improve their margins considerably. You know, another important thing that I would think about here is that they have a huge footprint, nearly a billion active customers on their platform right now. Their target, believe it or not, two billion. That is obviously a very large number. So finally, one of the things I would think about is cloud. This is an area that they're expanding into. We've seen the benefits to Microsoft. We've seen the benefits to Amazon. And if they can do the same thing, then obviously that represents a material opportunity. And there's something else I think we ought to be thinking about with Baba too. It's relatively cheap. This is a company that's trading less than 20 times forward earnings, and it's growing top-line revenues at more than 30%. Compare that with, say, the S&P, which is probably trading 22 times forward earnings and growing at nowhere near that same rate. So to me, a lot of the headwinds and concerns that we have about Chinese tech are one of the reasons that this company represents an opportunity. But I'm still willing to acknowledge that those risks persist. So I was taking a look at using a diagonal call spread here. I was looking at the July 230 calls. I could spend a little over 15 bucks to buy those and sell the nearer dated April 30th weekly 245 calls for a little over $3. Net-net, I'm spending less than the distance between the two strikes in this diagonal call spread. I'm trying to take advantage of the fact that nearer dated call options will tend to decay more rapidly than longer dated ones. And you might ask, well, why was I looking at the April 30th weekly? Well, what I'm trying to avoid here is being short options going into the next big potential catalyst for BABA, which is earnings. I think this is a company that's cheap. I still think it has and is demonstrating a tremendous amount of growth opportunities. And we've seen other companies like it expand into the same areas that they have and improve their monetization. So I think for all of these reasons, BABA represents a relatively interesting opportunity and we can use options to mitigate some of the risks that are associated with the China tech trade. All right, good stuff. Going to follow that, I'm sure, in the weeks ahead. Carter, what are the charts telling you about Alibaba? The setup is excellent. Let's look at them. Four charts in total. First chart, five-year chart. No drawings or judgments, but we know it's an uptrend. It's gone from 100 to about 320 and pulled back. That's the opportunity. Second chart. Look at this drawdown. It's no different in many ways than the drawdowns the stock has experienced along the way over the past five years. I've highlighted them there. 22% 22% down, 39, 22, 26, and this one, 31. Now, here's the most important part. Next chart. Look where these drawdowns have stopped each time. 
literally to the penny on a well-defined trend line, in effect, the past five years. Final chart is just the chart, the five-year chart, with the trend line. We've come down, we've touched the line, buy it for a bounce here. All right, Tony, chime in here on Alibaba. Obviously getting swept up. The K-Web got crushed. Tencent, pretty much everything is down. But, Baba, maybe a specialty case. What do you make of this trade? Buy on weakness? Uh, so the charts look fairly attractive, right, as Carter was showing you, both on an absolute and relative basis. It is trading near some major support levels. It is oversold. So I think from a, from a technical perspective, you have an, a buying opportunity here. And the fundamental side, as, as Mike pulled, as showed you, the valuations are very compelling considering the growth potential that we have here. What I don't love, as Mike already pointed out, is the risk that we have with these Chinese tech companies, especially the big ones like Alibaba that is currently in the crosshairs of these Chinese regulators. Now, Mike did mention the cloud business, and I do think that's important, but the cloud business right now is still only about 7% of their total revenue, and it's not particularly growing at a very fast pace here at the moment, so I'm not sure that that is, in my opinion, a reason to go along this particular stock. So I do think that the only way to tiptoe into this opportunity right now is through options. And I do like Mike's trade structure using a call diagonal because the trade structure gives you a payoff graph that's relatively similar to being long the stock, but it only risks 5% of the underlying stock's value to do so. And if you do get a small bounce here, you're able to participate in the upside and potentially own the stock and have a longer-term bullish thesis here. And by selling the April uh, 30th 245 calls, he's being fairly tactical here because you have a fairly strong resistance here around 240, 245. That could put a a short-term cap here on the rally in the short run. Yeah, Michael, circle back, okay? We talked about Alibaba, but, you know, listen, like VIP shop down 30%. You know, recently you've got this this K-Web, as we mentioned, coming down. Do you have a broader thought along the China internet trade generally? Is there opportunity there or just too much risk with these SEC rules floating around? Well, I mean, there's, I mean, we have the rules issue, and as, as uh, Tony was appropriately pointing out, that's not the only concern that you have when you're dealing with making investments into Chinese companies. There is always the risk, of course. It is uh, a single-party rule in China, and if they suddenly lose the favor of the Chinese government, that is a huge risk, and I think that's also priced in here. There's no way that a company with the fundamentals of BABA would be priced the way BABA is if it was a U.S. or a European company, for example. That is the risk. I think that's also the opportunity. And arguably that exists in some other spaces. The one thing I would say that probably insulates BABA a little bit better is how they touch such a broad base of consumers. When you have that, you obviously have a lot of popularity. And, of course, that does present a little bit of a counterbalance to the threat of regulators, whether they're domestic or in China. So, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I I think this is a way that I'm not getting long China overall necessarily. I think BABA represents a fairly unique case, though. All right, Mike, thank you very much. A lot of talk there on Baba. All right, up next, what you've maybe been waiting for. We're going to answer your tweets along with several follow-ups on some of our open trades. That's coming up. All right, welcome back to Options Action. It is time now to take your tweets. And our first viewer asks, I bought the XLE Energy ETF spread on Monday. The April option well, jumps around like a bunny. Will we be rolling it out? It's a newbie question. Thank you. 
Mike, I, we also appreciate the, uh, the, the politeness there. What's your take on that trade? Yeah, so that's a, that's a great question. And yes, the answer is we do intend to roll it out. When you're looking at these spreads, something to think about. Take a look at the next option expiration and see what the prices are like. When we initially talked about these trades, that, that option was 225 The last time, 205 Today, 125 It's decaying rapidly. The one-week shorter dated option is only $0.75. Cents. So we'll probably want to roll this one out next Friday. All right, our next viewer asks, Recently, Carter flagged MasterCard for a breakout. Now, the breakout happened, but it quickly failed. The technicals either look like it's resting on top of former resistance or a head and shoulders pattern is forming. What is in the trade for MasterCard? Please, Carter. Clearly, you've read the chart, and I think your appraisal uh, is dead on, meaning we know the stock has a well-defined range at the 260 level. We know it did break out up almost 8% to close to 290, and now has pivoted back right to the tops, as you cite them, a level of support and a big bounce uh, this week. I like it long. I'd add to longs. All right. And our next viewer asked this. Tony, when you say... If the stock is below a dollar amount for a few days, our thesis is wrong and we close the trade. So how long is a, you know, X number of days or what dollar loss or percentage loss or maybe something else do you then use to set the stops in the trade? Excellent question, by the way. Yeah, I think it's a great question because when we enter a trade based on a support or resistance level and that support or resist resistance level is broken, we consider the trade no longer valid. We usually need about three to five days of trading history to be able to, to infer that, that, uh, that opportunity to cut losses and get out of the trade. As far as setting stop losses go, we usually use a percentage to set our stop <clears throat> losses. And the general rule of thumb that we have is when we buy an option at a debit, we, we cut our losses at 50% of the premium that we've paid. If we're selling an option for a credit, we want to set our stop losses when we've lost about 100% of the premium that we've collected. All right, Tony, thank you very much. All right, up next, more of your tweets and the final call. That's next, right after this. All right, Carter, Mike, Tony, thanks for joining us. We rambled on and ran out of time. We are off next week for Good Friday. We'll see you in two weeks. Matt with Jim starts right now. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.